Good morning. I'm Harley Schlanger from the LaRouche Organization with your daily video update for March 18th, 2022. It's Friday, so I'm taking your questions, and I have quite a few questions, and I'm, I'm lumping them together into three or four basic questions to try to get at the core of what, what's being uh, asked. Now, let me start with the first one, which is asking me to please explain again why the U.S. and NATO are pushing for a bigger war, why they will seem to be unwilling to accept uh, Putin's security demands for security guarantees. Now, I'll start by pointing out that Biden today is going to be making a call to China's President Xi. And according to the White House statement on this, Biden will be trying to use this as a, quote, opportunity to assess where President Xi stands on the U.S. demand that China give no support to Russia, unquote, in the face of increased sanctions. The White House said that Biden will convey to China that they will face costs if they aid Russia. Now, this was the message that National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan delivered to a Chinese official in Rome just a couple of days ago. And this is just typical of the arrogance of the so-called rules-based order, which people like Blinken and, and Jake Sullivan promote on be, allegedly on behalf of Joe Biden. We don't really fully know what Biden's view is of this thing, because it's hard to tell what his view is of anything. But this is also the line that comes out from the leaders of the other NATO powers, Boris Johnson, uh, von der Leyen of the European Union Commission, and so on. And what they're ignoring well, they're not ignoring it. What they're reacting to, I would say, is the large volume of trade that goes on between China and Russia. And the fact that on February 4th, the Chinese and the Russians made an agreement that's a, a, a long-term agreement for increasing the economic coordination of the two countries and to deepen their relations. And these have been, this meeting was followed by a discussion between the Eurasian Economic Union and China about the possibility of an alternative financial system as the Western financial system continues to collapse. Now, what is it that Biden can offer Xi? The U.S. is threatening China, uh, saying that the Chinese are aggressive and the United States is building up uh, Australia with a, a nuclear subfleet. It's trying to turn the Quad into a, an Asian NATO with the so-called pivot toward Asia, but it's not going to work. So the question then is, what is the U.S. goal in this? And it's functioning as a military force to defend the collapsing financial system of the city of London and Wall Street, and to make sure that there's no break with that system. And that gets to the second question, uh, what would be the impact of excluding Russia from the swift foreign currency transaction system. Now, the Business Insider today runs an article uh, which says that the exclusion of Russian banks from the SWIFT system, quote, could accelerate the development of alternatives. This would reduce the dominant role of the U.S. dollar in financial markets and international payments, unquote. Well, that's exactly what's happening. The As long as the dollar is being used to prop up unsustainable debt that's been generated by the quantitative easing policy, the, the free money policy from the central banks, 
which is designed to avoid dealing with the debt problem by bailing out the largest debtors while squeezing everyone else for the, the last ounce of income they can get to cover that debt. That's just not going to work. We, we see the moves now of the Saudis announcing that they're preparing to accept the Chinese yuan for the payments of oil. Uh, India is now accepting rubles and they're actually looking at the possibility of moving to have the yuan as the basic currency in settling trade questions in, in national currencies. So there's motion around the world because of the failure of the Western countries to address the crisis that's destroying the physical economy in the advanced sector nations. And while destroying the physical economy, they're continuing to protect the bloated uh, uh, debt the, the, the uh, incredible debt bubble, which is based on having liquidity to back up the face value of worthless financial instruments. Instead of doing what LaRouche had proposed in 2008, putting the whole system through a bankruptcy reorganization, wiping out the debt, either canceling it or having the, the companies with the debt eat the debt and protect the commercial banks and the savings of, of families and businesses, Instead of doing that, they're destroying families, businesses, manufacturing for the sake of keeping the funds flowing to trade worthless financial instruments. This is something that, that Russia and China will not accept. And this is what the Great Reset is all about, to make the whole world subservient to this system. And the fact that Russia and China are looking to a different approach to economics, an approach to physical economy, as LaRouche defined it is what the, the fighting issue is. And the U.S. is on the wrong side in this. The American system is based on physical economy, not speculation, not gambling. And this is the ultimately what's behind this. And so by kicking Russia out of the SWIFT system, it's merely hastening the pace at which an alternative will be sought after. Because if you're going to start seizing dollar accounts of every country that doesn't go along with your policy, then why should any country stick to the dollar system? Now, another question came in, how does this relate to the transition to the Green New Deal? Well, let me just quote German economic minister Habeck, who's a radical green environmentalist, uh, who's now the economic minister. And he said yesterday, Germany must get off fossil fuels altogether. We should do everything we can to reduce Putin's power and in the end, destroy it. So by canceling uh, purchases of oil and gas from Russia, he's saying this will do two things. It will push Germany into a new green era and defeat Putin. The problem is it's going to destroy German industry in the process. The German economy is based on uh, high levels of energy flux density in its electrical generation and its power system. This requires power systems that have increasing energy flux density. What happens if you reduce it by moving to solar and wind? You cannot sustain an industrial economy. You'll have blackouts, you'll have shortages, and the costs will go way up even for sustaining what you can sustain. So this whole idea of the Great Reset and the relationship with the Green New Deal to force countries to move 
to inefficient forms of economic and, and energy production. What's the intent of it? The intent is to sustain the power, as I said earlier, of the bloated economic system and to increase the, the, the uh, domination of the world economy by those institutions tied to the city of London and Wall Street. Now, that means they're committed to the traditional British imperial policy of Malthusian population reduction. Now, what country, what, what the, how can the leadership of any country join such a system and defend such a system? The problem is most of the poorer countries in the world have been either blackmailed or forced by economic warfare to be part of the system. What happens when you have stronger nations like Russia, China, and India reject this? Well, they're going to look for a new system, and they're going to end up attracting many, many other countries, and soon they'll end up attracting countries like Germany and France where the, the manufacturing sector, the industrial sector, is not committed to the suicide that German economics minister Habeck is imposing on them. So this system is finished one way or the other. The unipolar world order is gone. And by trying to uh, keep it alive by destroying the Russian economy is, is not a very viable action. Now, the, the last question I want to take up is someone who said, well, what is Putin's goal? Can he be trusted? Now, there's an ongoing effort to use Russophobia, that is fear of Russia in the United States, that goes back to the Cold War uh, period to carry out the continuation of this collapsed post-Cold War order. Now, what is the post-Cold War order? It's based on the idea that after the collapse of the Soviet Union, there was no alternative in the world except so-called American democracy and free market policy. This was called the end of history by Francis Fukuyama. It's the basis of the uh, project for a new American century, which essentially said the U.S. has the power to do whatever it wants in the world and no other country can stand up against it. And what have we had as a result? We've had wars, the NATO-US bombing of Yugoslavia. And when you hear, well, this is the first war in Europe now with Russia and Ukraine since World War II, <coughs> that's not true. The US and NATO bombed Serbia. The, the operation against Afghanistan, which was US and NATO, Iraq, the Libyan intervention, which not only murdered Gaddafi, but destroyed the country and the efforts to bring the so-called moderate rebels, that is the terrorist jihadists into power in Syria, and the consistent continuing warfare against the people of Yemen. That's what the US and NATO has been doing since the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now, additionally, Russia after 1991 was put under uh, a shock therapy economic regime, supposedly to force a transition to a free market economy. What it forced was a collapse in the demographic characteristic of Russia. More deaths than births, pessimism, looting, a drastic decline in the standard of living. And this is why Putin was brought into power in 1999, because he said he was going to reverse this. 
He was going to have economic policies which would increase the potential relative population density by increasing the productivity of Russian industry and Russian agriculture. And in doing this, he would be defending Russia's national security. And this has been the other leading concern for Putin since his address in 2007 at the Munich Security Conference, when he essentially laid out the concerns they had with the eastward expansion of NATO up to the borders of Russia. Now, what is he demanding when he says that they, they do not want NATO in Ukraine, they do not want offensive weapons there, they do not want neo-Nazis in the defense and security forces in Ukraine? What is he essentially saying? He's doing the same thing John Kennedy did in October 1962 when he drew a line and said there is no willingness to accept Soviet nuclear missiles in Cuba. The United States can't accept it, and no nation can accept weapons, nuclear weapons of a hostile power on its border. That's what Putin was saying about Ukraine. Now, in saying that, he tried to negotiate from at least 2007 to 2021, and the West didn't listen. And so now the, the Russians are moving in to uh, knock out the military capacity of Ukraine, uh, the, the West is responding with, with sanctions, with the intent to destroy Russia and destroy Putin. I'm not sure if I got you the full quote from Habeck, but he said, we should do everything we can to reduce Putin's power and in the end, destroy it. That is, destroy Putin's defense of Russia's national security. And there are a whole series of, of articles posted on the Atlantic Council website which essentially imply that even after the Ukraine situation is resolved, there will be continuing sanctions against Russia until Russia is reduced to a third-rate power. Now, what we're dealing with with Russia today is not some godless evil empire, as it was presented during the Cold War period. In fact, Putin and Lavrov have referred to the West as existing in a post-Christian era, if you look at the gender politics and, and everything else that characterizes much of the social discussion in the West. The issue that's being raised <coughs> is whether one nation has the right and the authority to insist that every nation abide by its so-called rules-based order. This is unacceptable to Russia and China it's unacceptable to most countries in the world, and it should be unacceptable to Americans who would not tolerate it if another nation said, you must abide by our rules. So that's uh, the report I have for you today. <coughs> Excuse me, and I'll be back with you next week.